0: Welcome in to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is not Alan Saunders. By now you know, that is Nick Farabaugh filling in for Alan Saunders, who, unlike, and we would get into this very soon, a lot of Steelers was a DNP today for Steelers now, a big DNP for Alan Saunders. Nick, what's going on?
1: Not much, many. Yeah, big DNP for Alan Saunders out with um, a... Non-injury related thing is what I'm going to say. He's NIR, um, you know, veterans day off, Um, you know, just like Pat Pete and Isaac Sayamalo needs those bet days off. Um, So Mm -hmm. the youngsters stepping in here, it's a a good, it's a good way to get me first team reps, you know?
0: Need the reps, need the the reps. You're Joey Porter Jr. Exactly. At this moment in time. Uh, before we get into anything, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. If you're listening somewhere that is not YouTube, be sure to leave us a five-star review there as well. Nick, I mentioned Alan Saunders at DNP. That wasn't the case for a lot of Steelers that popped up on the injury report yesterday, which I think had a lot of people concerned. Where are we at with the guys that missed practice yesterday? Namely, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Darnell Washington. Uh, you mentioned two guys that got vets days off, but there were some guys, what was it, a total of six guys or something? Something that missed. With yeah. Six guys. Yeah. Yeah. So where um, are we at with those guys?
1: Yeah. I think, I think most of them are on track to play. Um, Minka is back. KZ's back. Um, Washington's back. Golden is back. And Gunner, uh, I believe took another step in the concussion protocol. Um, So mm-hmm. he did not practice yesterday. So he's a limited participant today. Um, I kind of have a hard time seeing him playing on Sunday. I think he just needs another day. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, you're saying concussion related, right? Because yeah. I think you could, I, I, I didn't know if you were saying even like from a non-injury yeah, no. related thing with the I kickoff think, blunder with the fumble.
1: No, I think, I think concussion related, um, he's probably not going to play. Yeah. Um, and then Larry, um, is just kind of Larry. And I just, yeah, I don't yeah. even care if Larry's out there anymore because I just assume, uh, he could, he could like log three, do not, did not practices. his, be listed as questionable when I'd be like, well, I guess Larry's going to play. Because it's kind of what Larry has done the past year. And listen, if he has performances like he did on Sunday, I mean, whatever. He was great on Sunday. So um, Larry was like the only one that I, I felt like was out there or didn't do that much or whatever. So uh, it's pretty good, pretty good news, I think. Um, you're probably going to get a lot of LPs today, limited practices, on that report. But I expect most of those to get upgraded to full tomorrow. That would be very
0: good news. Major Fitzpatrick, obviously a big topic of conversation. Not only is he so important to the Steelers, obviously spent time in the hospital following that game with that chest injury, was puking on the sidelines, went to the hospital for evaluation. Got some good news about him being released. Obviously, we're talking here, taking the right steps trending towards playing he said himself he's going to play but he was the topic of conversation for a hit in that game as well he was the one that put the hit on nick chubb that devastating knee injury which i just i can't help but get that image it just stayed in my mind that first off that's the worst thing that i've seen like actually happen in front of me obviously i wasn't in cincinnati when the ryan shazier injury happened or anything like that i think this is the most devastating injury i've seen live it's been a big topic of conversation though um and he went on today to defend it himself. We also heard from a member of the Cleveland Browns, Grant Delpit, say that he didn't see an issue with the hit. Unfortunate result, of course, but he didn't see an issue with the hit. Where did you stand on it, and what exactly was the wording used by Minka in defending the hit?
1: Yeah, um, very long explanation over about four questions from Minka. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty simple explanation, though. It was that when you actually watched the play in f- – like in how how game speed works, because everyone that's kind of putting it around as being dirty watches that slow-mo angle, right? And they say, well, Cole Holcomb's on his back, but if you look at it from the fast replay, Minka's already going down towards Chubb's legs when Holcomb jumps on his back. And I think that's something that's overlooked. So Minka said basically once he got through that hole, got through the second level, he was like, I'm going low because – he's assuming before Holcomb comes on that that's going to be a one-on-one tackle. Right. So you got to take out Nick Chubbs and And he's like, and, and I think, you know, Tim Benz uh, of the trip directly asked him, um, what, what would you say to those people that said, you know, you shouldn't have gone low. Um, you were kind of dirty. He said, listen, like I, if I go high, Nick Chubbs going to one, run me over two. That's going to put me at risk to get a concussion and us defensive players have to protect ourselves too we can only tackle in a certain box right because you can't go mm-hmm. high because you're either going to get called for a helmet to helmet receive a fine you yourself can be concussed um there's a lot of different things so it was Nick Chubb has 30 pounds on Minka and Minka had to go low to take him out now the placement of the lower body hit where well, he was just like I, I wish I could have done that differently but it happens. It's, you know, these plays happen in milliseconds. I have to make a decision on the, on a dime. Um, I think he specifically said that he would not have done anything differently in terms of the process going low, trying to get Chubb all that obviously felt very sorry for the fact that Nick Chubb got hurt, um, and, and everything like that, but he defended himself said he's not a dirty player. Um, I agree with that. I don't think he's a dirty player. I, I haven't seen Minka display dirty player tendencies in the past. Um, and trust me, we—if you're a fan of the Steelers, like you know, dirty Steelers players, like it's not hard to point out the dirty players on the yeah. Steelers. Like, I don't know, right. James Harrison—that's a dirty player, right? He took heads for a living. Ryan Clark, dirty player. Like, dirty players are, are pretty clear to me on the Steelers. I never really felt that Minku was one. I don't think that was a dirty hit. Um, I, I know that a lot of people will think that, but. Listen, if you're a defender in the, today's game, it is hard to make tackles on bigger, more explosive and stronger guys. You have to go lower. Unfortunately, that leads to a lot of injuries like high ankle sprains, torn ligaments and all these things and plays like Nick Chubb. Um, really unfortunate. It sucks to see that happen. I just don't think that there is much Minka could have done if he had gone up high because Listen, no. run him over. Like I think he's completely right. That's a one-on-one tackle, which is what he thinks is going to happen before Holcomb comes in. That is going to 100% be a touchdown. And then if that happens, everyone's like, "What in the world were you doing, Minka?" And and yeah. that, that's what happens there. And so I mean, you're not going to let him score unless, I guess, you do. In which case, good way to lose your job. So don't do it. Um, I, I don't know. It's a tough spot to be put in. I I don't think it was dirty. Um, I just think Minka went low, and that was kind of his avenue to, to bring Chubb down.
0: We've seen Nick Chubb do that in the past to Minka when Minka tried to tackle him high. Like, we literally saw a long touchdown run that Nick Chubb has had in the past where Minka tried to go high on him, and he just pushed him over. So... Yeah, I, I mean, that's just the way that they're taught now too, especially in these bigger backs, the Derrick Henrys the Nick Chubbs of the world. You have that lower target. And I'm not like saying that this is like a newer thing with those types of backs either, but especially with the information we have about head injuries now, you're already lowering the target to that point. So you have a very small target as a defender where you're ever trying to take down a runner. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know. I, it's wild to me that it's coming into question. I don't think if he suffers this injury, it's even a question of where he got hit. It's it's literally only because he suffered the injury that people are talking about it.
1: Yeah. I I I I don't I don't I just don't see how that is a dirty hit. Um I understand people are upset at the, the injury outcome and, and what happened, but yeah. I I don't I don't know how it's dirty. I mean Nick Chubb is one of the best. Runners in terms of just getting that leg drop going and getting those hidden yards. That's kind of what makes him great. He can turn four into eight just because of that. I mean, they tackled him in what, like the three-yard line? Like, he tackles him high, Nick Schell probably just runs through him and, and takes him to the end zone. Uh, I yeah. don't know. I think it's a tough spot to be in if you're Minka. I don't think it is inherently dirty.
0: No. No, but a lot of people are throwing that around. There's been a lot of stupid stuff on the internet. Here's something else that's stupid, totally unrelated to that situation. Mike Florio was talking about George Pickens' involvement in the offense and said he doesn't believe that he is a focal point because they want to avoid a contractual monster. Um, What What are we doing? Are we serious? Nick, Nick what's going on with this? What is, what is Florio talking about?
1: Florio has a... Um... I'll say this Florio has a contention right there for the worst take. Steelers related. That's year. Um, there are some bad takes that were out there during like training camp and all of that. And that's what happens with the hysteria of training camp. But saying that they are, they are literally intentionally decreasing George Pickens's targets. So he does not get paid heavily is one of the most bogus things ever. Like, Let's let like let's think through that logically. Okay, your young superstar receiver, who by the way, gets mad like every time he doesn't get 10 targets a game. If that happens, he's gonna blow up and probably ask for a trade. So you lose George Pickens at some point. So there's one. Two, Matt Canada is intentionally not getting targets to George Pickens when he's gonna get fired if he keeps doing this, right? Matt, you know, back then is just like, yeah, yeah, I can get fired because the Steelers won't have to pay George Pickens 30 million dollars a year <laughs> two years from now. Like, yeah, that's that's what's going on. Mike Tomlin strictly decided that one of his budding young superstar receivers was not going to be involved and thus hurt his young quarterback that he hopes is a franchise quarterback. The franchise quarterback that you hope Kenny Pickett is cannot throw to his best receiver on the field right now, who is George Pickens. That's exactly what's happening. And then two, we are going to waste the last few good years of Cam Hayward. We are going to waste away the top prime of T.J. Watt, the top prime of Minka Fitzpatrick, and this entire defense, and we are going to just ignore George Pickens. What a ridiculous take this is. Like, Florio, listen, Florio has some, like, Pretty solid out of the box thoughts. Sometimes I think, like I think mm-hmm. he's been on some things before, and anything has happened. But that yeah. one, I mean, there is there has to be a logical chain to these thoughts. There's no logical chain to that. There is none. The only way that would be a logical thought is if Art Rooney himself came down and told them, <laughs> "Don't get George Pickens' targets." That is the only way that would happen, and clearly Rooney doesn't have an issue paying guys thirty million a year. He's doing it for TJ Watt, basically. I mean, Steelers have never really been a team that has been shy about doling out large cap hits and large contracts for their top players. So I don't, I don't get that at all. I, I it's, it's wild to me. The reason George Pickens doesn't get targets is two reasons: one, Matt Canada isn't very good at his job; two. Largely because before this year, he hadn't been separating. And so separators get targets, and that's Deontay Johnson. But George Pickens was open a lot on Sunday, mm-hmm. and he suddenly goes for 10 targets. I just, that's not a coincidence, but there's no conspiracy theory about it. It's very easily explained. I don't, and that is, that has a possibility to be the worst take of the year. It, I think it is. I, I, I can't think of one right off the rip that is worse.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a terrible take at any time. It, I find it even funnier in the absence of Deontay Johnson that they would be just absolving George Pickens from the offense. Who are you throwing the ball to then? Who's yeah, getting right? the ball if it's not going to be George Pickens within a Deontay Johnsonless offense?
1: And he was like by far the highest target getter. Like it wasn't yeah. even close. Like if I remember correctly, he had 10 targets. Like the rest of the offense had like nine or something, or maybe it was like the rest of receivers or something. Like it wasn't even close. Like George Pickens was absolutely decisively the first read on like – Actually. There was a stat. uh, It's called first read percentage. It's a fantasy football mm -hmm. stat usually used for, you know, kind of looking at who's going to get volume and targets. But like Pickens was like 70% and it was like third highest in the league or something this this week. Like they wanted to give him the football.
0: Yeah, he had 10 targets. Uh, Jalen Warren was next with six. Calvin Austin, four, Robinson, three, Harris, three, and then Boykin, Frymeath, and Gunner, one. I was going to say, if you were going to have that take about somebody within the Steelers' offense, Pat Frymeath has two targets through two weeks.
1: Yeah, Not that I
0: believe that. That's still BS, but, like, if you were going to have it about somebody.
1: So, so like, the rest of the receiver room had nine, um, from what the numbers you said. Like, they they clearly dialed up those, those shots for Pickens. I don't. I don't understand um, what the thought process was with when that take came out um, wild take to me regardless George Pickens uh, also talked today and basically said nothing of note, but kind of feels like he is making a statement that he can separate and uh, and can become a wire receiver one in this league, which he's think... beating
0: the he's beating the Mike Williams allegations.
1: Yes. the Mike Williams allegations are starting <laughs> to be beaten. If you look at that tape of what he did against Denzel Ward and, and that game he was beating Denzel Ward a lot more than I thought he would man he was he was really good that was a that was a fringe wide receiver one performance he put up on yep. on Monday he he passed the test very well in his first game
0: pretty wild stuff from Florio also uh Matt Canada speaking today and maybe he said some you know Alan and I have talked in the past about just like how he says very little like very boring press conferences um Uh, what is your take on that first and foremost in terms of just Matt Candace press conferences? And then I want to dive into some of the stuff because you specifically asked him about play action.
1: Well, listen, Zach, I appreciate your question, but uh, (laughs) uh, that's what, that's his favorite phrase. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Usually it's pretty uneventful today. I actually thought it was quite eventful um, Mm -hmm. in that he did not give enough answers um, to a lot of questions or that his answers that he did give were playing out wrong. Um, for example, like he was asked about that third and one run with Kenny that everyone knows is a terrible call in that, that spot. And Mm -hmm. and literally he was asked, you know, why call that? And he was like, I, I can't reveal that. I I can't talk about that. Um, so what went wrong? I'm not going to reveal it, but it was a bad play. We got to own it. That's what he said. And then later on went to went on to explain the George Pickens touchdown play progression to progression like in detail about the coverage they faced, which is just funny. I just thought that was a contradiction, but Matt Canada's press conferences are uh, not usually very eventful. This one was um, just because like he, he, uh, he was asked how they get their mojo back and straight up just started the answer with, I don't know. Um, Like great, great to hear from your offensive coordinator. How do you get the offense? I don't know. You know, just, Grant, you got
0: any ideas? Tell me. Yeah,
1: no, I, I thought today was like one of the more eventful press conferences. And the fact that I think Canada, um, Canada really they put himself out there and kind of didn't look very good for it. Responded to the fans' chants as well for Fire Canada. Um, heard kind of just canned in Mike Tallman's response, the same thing,
0: mm-hmm. and was
1: like, Love the fans' passion. We do got to get better. We understand this. It starts from an execution standpoint. And I was like, yeah, whatever. That's a Canada response. But very, very, uh, very weird press conference today from Matt Canada. I'll say that. And Alan wasn't there, and usually he, he is yeah. there on Thursdays. Um, so usually mm-hmm. I'm, I'm usually with TA. I'm usually with Terrell Austin over the defensive side. But I hung out with Canada today. So this was really like my first real exposure to a, a Matt Canada press conference or a regular season. Um, this year and uh can't say it disappointed. Well,
0: that maybe that's what we need for it to be more eventful is Nick Faribault in, in Canada's room. Uh I wanted to, you said about the, the play action stuff though. That's what you asked him about. And his comments on it kind of contradict the data that we literally have in front of us in terms of, the way that play action works, I think he said something along the lines of you have to get the running game going in order for it to become effective. Um, there's some things there. I don't think our protection was bad on some of the play actions, and we took some shots. But really, like that that run game part is what's sticking with me. What is your take on that in terms of play action only works if you get the run game going?
1: Well, it's completely wrong. His full, his full comments <laughs> are, I think play action is something... You know, you got to get the run game going more and more. It becomes effective. That's something that becomes more and more of a real situation with our run game. So that was a play we, then he goes on to basically no. describe what I said about the GP touchdown and how mm-hmm. it allowed them because I believe the GP touchdown came off of uh came off a series where they had run some nice plays off that and like just a few yards in, in the run game. And then he basically says he didn't think the protection was bad, but that they need to be more balanced in order to use more play action. Um just a really uh, the the last part of that statement is probably right. They probably do need to be more balanced to run more play action. Um mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you saw the Warren Sharp video from today where he's he where he breaks down the splits of run to pass. Um the Steelers pass the ball eighty two percent of the time out of shotgun, only run eighteen percent of the time. And a
0: lead to their own right now.
1: Yeah, yep. and then um, under center, I believe they they run the ball 90% of the time, um, which is just absurd. Um, you are basically telegraphing what you are doing by the very formation you are in. Um, so that that is wild to me um, in terms of that. And They are dead last in running play action, but they ran like four or five of them against um, the Browns, and all of them went for really good yards. Uh, 71-year touchdown was a play action play. Um, Pickens had another, I think, about 25-yarder on an over route there. Um, they had a number of good plays off play action. So I, I do not understand why they don't run more, but he's completely wrong about needing the run game. Like, sure, it helps, right? Like, I, I think the the Titans under Arthur Smith are like a great example of a run game helping the passing game and, and that play action game going because you always had to worry about Derrick Henry. And then when you started to really key on Derrick Henry, they would pull it back at AJ Brown. AJ Brown would take 80 yards. I think that is like one of the things – that can get things going. But across the league, you do not need that. The Chiefs are a great example of this. The Chiefs do not run the ball that well. Um, They are not a dynamic run game. They can run it, but they're not some elite rushing team. Uh, You're not like that worried about Isaiah Pacheco, right, and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, You're worried about Patrick Mahomes, and yet he turns his back, does a few play actions, and can hit whoever he wants. Um, You do not need a good run game to have a good play action game. This is true. Uh, We know this is true. The data says it. It's not just the short data size either. It's like a decade-long sample size for all 32 teams that showcases this. This is a complete wrong statement. Uh, If you are in 2023 saying that you need a run game to run play action, man, you need to catch up with the times. There's so much data out there. It's not even really that new. I think the data has been out there for at least a half decade at this point. Um, so any guy that is dialed in as much as an offensive coordinator in the NFL should be should know that is not a true statement. So, I don't know. I thought that was pretty in, indicting of Matt Canada. Um, just kind of confirming your priors, if you will. I don't think most people think he's a very good play caller right now, but that kind of points to you as to why. Um, they, they run an archaic offense in large ways. Remember, came in, was was touted for his motion, Basically, got rid mm-hmm. of all the motion, thinking that would help the pro, the pro the pro style of the offense. But honestly, they need the motion back more. They need to run that motion more. He ran motion yeah. more than anyone in college football. Comes to the NFL, and it's basically not been in there aside from the jet sweeps. Like they run some of the least motion in the NFL. They run almost no play action. They telegraph plays before the play. Their route concepts are almost all outside the numbers. Like the first read for Kenny Pickett is almost always outside the numbers. It's not the dig route. It's not the over route. It is that seven route. It is that curl route on the outside. It is that. And so, I'm not going to act like Matt Canada. I t- and I tweeted this out earlier, um, or zed it out. I don't know. Whatever you say. With yeah, X-
0: that sounds z-ed terrible. It. But yeah.
1: yeah, zed it out. I don't know. Um, but. What I said was, listen, the offense doesn't get this bad with just Matt Canada. But the man has not done a single thing to help that offense. And he has not done much to not point to evidence to say he's hurting it. He is absolutely hurting this offense. The, the players are not playing well right now. There's no doubt. The offensive line looks like crap. Uh, can Pickett Can't hit the, the right side of a barn right now. Uh, he's bailing on pockets. The run game is non-existent. And their are receiving course banged up. That's true. But man, if you watch the tape, you can see these guys aren't being put in great positions either. I don't feel like he's done much to help Kenny Pickett get out of the slump, is what I will say. Um, No play action, no motion, Uh, the throws over the middle of the field that are there. I feel like Kenny is hit for the most part, aside from the weird slant routes, I don't know why Kenny Pickett can't hit a slant route right now. Um, but yeah. I, I just I don't feel like he's helped out Kenny Pickett at all. So I think it's exacerbated these last two games of his struggles because it feels like, oh, here's an easy play for you, Kenny. Like let's get this going, and a lot of it just hasn't been there.
0: I like things that you feel like Kenny should be exceeding at. They're not doing. Like, I just don't understand how as an offensive coordinator you can completely bail and not create an offense around this type of quarterback that you're trying to see if he can be the guy at this level. You're talking about not using motion, not using play action, things that Kenny Pickett you would think would excel in or at least be able to run an offense that uses those. The easiest thing you can do for a quarterback that's still trying to learn the NFL and read defenses Put guys in motion so we can figure out if they're in man or zone. They're not using motion at all. Like, what are we doing here with this offense? I don't understand what the plan is. I don't know if there is one. I actually just want to be a fly on the wall in these offensive meetings.
1: It It is a wild kind of encapsulation of everything that is wrong with the Steelers' offense right now. The schematics of it are so just archaic which is so weird for Matt Canada because he was so ahead of the curve in motion. Like he's one mm-hmm. of the guys that first pointed to motion as like this big thing that can really toy with defense's eyes, give you a lot of different advantages here and there. And yet, he hasn't done anything to kind of carry that over to the NFL. Now some of that is that the NFL's motion rules kind of hurt his motion game. You know when he's sending like three tight ends in motion on the same side, like that's a little crazy, but Dude, like, you watch his college tape, and I'm not going to act like he was, like, a great college OC, but when he was at his height with, you know, Pitt and and at Wisconsin, like, what they did so well was they used that motion to move the eyes of the linebackers, to work a passing game with play action off it. Um, There were things in that playbook that would really help Kenny Pickett right now. So I, I don't know what Matt Kennedy did when he went to the NFL and said, yeah, let me get rid of all that motion. Because remember, we were expecting the Steelers to go from about – 30th in motion usage with Randy Featner, probably up to like top 10, top five levels of it. Mm -hmm. They've been, I think since Matt Canada took over, like the 28th most used motion in the league. Like that is just a bad, bad, bad sign. Now, the fact that it has happened over two offensive coordinators does make you question if there's implementation from maybe Mike Tomlin that he doesn't like that. But I don't know, man, like Canada – Every time he's asked about motion two, is like to become more pro style, I got rid of this and I did this and this, and it did not make much sense. And, and a lot of what he does schematically doesn't make sense. They run about 10 concepts from in terms of passing plays from different looks. Um, it's yeah. gotta be the least amount of passing concepts in an NFL playbook.
0: Uh you you mentioned I want to ask. Maybe dive a little bit more into that post that you had on X regarding the Steelers offense, because I feel like, you know, we've beaten the Canada stuff to a point where it's like, why are we still talking about it? But I think, you know, you and I haven't necessarily had a conversation on here. I don't think about it, really, that I keep telling people and it almost sounds like I'm defending Canada and I'm absolutely not, but. You mentioned it's not obviously all on him. Like with all the issues that lie within the Steelers' offense, it can't just all be pointed to the coordinator. Kenny's not hitting open receivers. The offensive line hasn't been good enough. The performance from everybody on the offense really just hasn't been up to snuff so far this season. Um, what have you seen with, when watching them through two games that you would say, okay, this is you know an offensive coordinator issue as opposed to this is a personnel issue?
1: As as we kind of said, um, just the route concepts are not good. Um, the passing game concepts are banal. Everyone's seen it. You know, it's, it's scat Hank, it's spacing, it's basic stuff that every team runs, but the Steelers try to run it out of different looks, trying to think they're, you know, nifty, but you can key in on that when I think it could work. I'll say this. I think it can work. The fact that they only run like 10 to 12 passing concepts in it itself isn't great, but there are guys that when they work with rookie quarterbacks, for example, or second year quarterbacks that are struggling really kind of, you know, water down the amount of passing concepts they do. Um, Mm -hmm. so it can work, but it can only work if you're doing motion, if you're dressing it up in that way, if you're doing play action, um, like for example, run a, run a dagger concept, right? They run dagger in the Steelers offense. They do, um, Mm -hmm. run that out of play action and, and hit it, you know, under center, they don't do that. They don't do any of that. So everything might be. You know, they might switch sides or a formation. It might not be out of a stacked look. It might be then at a bunch look. But defenses can can easily process that to a point. It's not hard uh, to do that. The play calls situationally are not there either. Second and ten runs with a run game that isn't very good. Tosses with Najee on second and tw- and twelve. Um, different things like that, like using Najee Harris as a lateral runner rather than just getting him north and south to run between the tackles. Like that's something. Um, Alex Kazora I believe, said that they just don't pull guards. I think that's something to, to note. Mm. Um, if, if your zone runs aren't working, well, why not pull one of the guards? Let's see how counter works and how power works and how these different things work. It's in the playbook. They just don't run it. So it's really a combination of, all right, this is my plan here, and this is what I'm going to do, and then not deviating from it at all. He doesn't really deviate from a plan in-game. He just kind of runs the same things over and over and over. It's like insanity because they don't do anything to help the players. I think that's the biggest thing, and and it needs to become something. I think when uh, Mike Tomlin made this comment on Tuesday when he was talking about how coaches need to kind of look at schematics and really adjust and, and see what's coming, right? They need to kind of adapt in-game, on the fly. He thought that was a real kind of weakness? I, I think some mm. of it's on the defensive side of the ball because he included himself there, but I couldn't help but read that one and say, man, that's not a little bit of a dig at the offense because they don't adapt. They don't do anything to respond to much of anything. So I think that is specifically why it's an offensive coordinator issue at his most. Now, if he's fired, I'll say that. If you say he gets fired next week, I don't think this offense suddenly becomes great. I don't think they become like a great offense, but I I think it'd be easier to watch and certainly better if they can get a competent play caller here um, than it is right now. But they, they definitely have problems deeper than Matt Canada, but he's probably the worst of them.
0: Uh, another problem that they're going to have on Sunday night, and, I, and this is the last thing I want to touch on with you, Nick, is Max Crosby, um, who's one of my favorite pass rushers in the game. I just, I really like the plan, his pass rush plan that he attacks with. Also, not necessarily a super heralded guy, like, you know, a fourth round pick and just his story of sobriety and stuff like that, I think he's an easy guy to root for. Um, but on the football field, just an insane talent as well. How is he different from, you know, the elite edge rushers that we've seen here early on and the the Nick Bosa, the Miles Garrett, I'll even throw Zadarius Smith in there as well, Miles Garrett's teammate of the Cleveland Browns. How does a guy like Matt Crosby stack up compared to those guys and what makes him different?
1: Crosby is such a fantastic athlete with great hand usage. Um, he's not as freaky athletically as a Bosa or a Garrett, who is just a freak with all that technical ability, but he yeah. is a really good athlete and he's got great bend. I think that's what really makes him quite good. Um, very similar to Brian Burns in that fact where he's a great athlete, not quite a Garrett uh, Bosa level athlete, but a fantastic one. Um, and a great bend allows him to get around that edge and allows him to do a lot of different things. He can work power off that because you're going to try and get a speed rush. Um, he's a great run defender. Um, I don't think he's quite as dynamic as Garrett and Bosa because Garrett and Bosa line up kind of, you know, over the a gap and can do a lot of those things. He doesn't really do that. He kind of sticks on one side too. um, very mm-hmm. kind of TJ Wattish in that way, um, where he kind of sticks on one side, um, yeah. but man, he is a technician at heart and, He's a guy that blows you up with that technique. You never know what's coming. He's great at kind of anticipating sets and reading off them and having counters to your counters, very polished in terms of everything he does and just understands the game at a very in-depth level. He kind of has that sixth instinct that you talk about where he kind of goes and just kind of reads the game as it's going on and can react to it. You know, watching that film does that, but it's just a feel thing. He's a great player, man. Um. Really, is he's probably he's not as good as Bo Garrett, but like he ain't far off. He's he's in that upper tier two, bottom tier one level of guys. He can wreck your game real quick if you don't play him well. So four is going to have to step up in this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's who, to your point, really doesn't switch sides. So Chuch Korfor probably will be tasked with that assignment. I think what impresses me so much about him, too, is just like I I know that and we're not going to see Chandler Jones uh, non-football reasons, obviously thinking about him in that situation, really weird stuff going on, but praying for the best there. Um, But they do have a first round pick in Tyree Wilson that we could see. He hasn't done a whole lot through his first two games here. But my point there was match Crosby, other than obviously a little bit of limited time here with Chandler Jones, um, it hasn't necessarily had you know been playing with the most elite talent on that defensive side of the football either, where he is going to be the focal point each and every time that somebody plays against the Raiders, and yet he still does get his every single time.
1: Yeah, I think that is really what makes him special because he doesn't need that help. Um, it's not like you know, Chandler Jones, as he says, is not there. Um, uh, Tyree, Wilson, even so,
0: he's not at the same level as he once was. Chandler yeah, he's Jones, not but, either.
1: Tyree Wilson's yeah. an intriguing rookie. And Malcolm Koontz is, is decent mm-hmm. um, in terms of the depth. But, like, it's not a great group outside of him. And the interior D-line is, like, fine. Dude. You're not going to, like, be like, whoa, look at look at those names. And, and wow, it's 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 not even like a Dalvin Tomlinson, Shelby Harris level. Like, okay, Jerry Tillery's fine. Like, Bilal Nichols is fine. Like, those guys are fine. But they're really not that great. And so Mm -hmm. you look at where he gets his production. It's really all through him. He defeats double teams. He can defeat chips. Um, He understands angles, rush angles extremely well, which allows him to finish at a high rate. Like you look at his pressures to sack ratio and everyone that might be in an analytics community would say, oh, he's due to receive, but he's not because he's got great rush angles and he understands how to finish around the arc. Um, So he's great at doing that. Very impact player. Um everyone's favorite stat pass rush win rate um he is a very very high leader in that I think he's third right now I believe in that metric um so he mm. he's great there I, I he's a great player man uh, and he just has so many different nuances that even by himself he is a game record. and so you better watch out because he is a guy that without any help on that side they need to help chooks in this game in some regard um mm-hmm. he will he will destroy a game, run game, pass game, whatever.
0: Yeah, and that's why it was big for uh, Darnell Washington to get back on the practice field today. Hopefully get him out there Sunday night to be able to help chip out with him. Nick, uh, tell the people where they can find you before we get out of here.
1: Yeah, you can find me at Twitter, Fair about FB, read the stuff at Steelers now, of course, and so much more, folks.
0: Yep, and uh, I'm Zachary Smith, PGH. Be sure to subscribe here. Leave us a like, hit that notification bell, whether it's for Steelers Afternoon Drive, Sights & Sounds, uh, Matt and Derek's pregame scout stuff that they've been doing every, uh, every Saturday before the game. All that good stuff, all that content here nick allen Derek, and everybody else at the site go check that stuff out as well obviously the links to all that stuff is always in the description if you're not on youtube leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening thanks for jumping in and taking another ride on the steelers afternoon drive